Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio or Chant TV. Good to be with you. Really good to be with you. And I appreciate you being with us. You know, it happened again. We'll get to it. I'll recap a little bit here in a second. Uh, a lot of football taken in this weekend, a lot of preseason football and the like. Uh, but, uh, you know, the scrimmage was Saturday night. And we, we got to hear from the coaches afterwards. Um, not a ton of news uh, emanating from that, at least that uh, nothing bad, really. That's the, that's the, I don't know if I'm like everybody else, but when you hear the good, you're like, oh, that's good. They did this well and they did this well. It was a little give and take. That's good to hear. But really all you're hoping for is don't get up there and tell me that somebody's gone. Don't tell me somebody's out for a year. Don't tell me somebody's not going to be with us anymore for the season or anything like that. No, no. As long as you don't tell me that, I don't really care if the offense wins or the defense wins. It's a scrimmage. Who cares? It goes back and forth. It happens all the time. I don't really care. You know, one, one series the offense wins, the next series the defense wins, and the defense wins two in a row, then the offense wins one. Ah, whatever. Great. Good to hear it. Nobody got hurt. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. As long as there are no major announcements. Now, you've got to get guys dinged. Guys are always going to be dinged. It's football. It's a brutal game. I don't think you ever get through a single scrimmage, or very rarely do you get through a scrimmage of any kind, anywhere, any team, peewee on up. If you're padded, without somebody getting dinged, I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna maybe somebody's out for a week, somebody's got a bone bruise, somebody's got a hamstring tug, some some, some problem there. Gonna give him a little bit of rest. That's gonna happen. As long as my coach isn't up there telling me, unfortunately, like he had to last week, that Caden Lyles was out for the year. As long as I don't get anything more than uh, any more of those types of days, then the scrimmage, no matter who won, is a success. Well, in terms of things that we can see with our own eyes, the scrimmage is not one of them. But this week, you have Tuesday through Saturday that they practice. Saturday will again be closed to us. But tomorrow through Friday, we can see everything. It'll be interesting if there's any shuffling or things of the like that go on. Uh, I'll tell you, now that the Caden Lyles saga is over, it was just so strange. And he continues to do it. He did it in Jacksonville. My man puts on his helmet and shoulder pads for you know the stretches and the walkthroughs. Even Caden, though he's done, yeah, yeah, even though he's yeah. done for the year. Mm-hmm. So when when it was reported that he had a problem, and you see him, and yes, he was working to the side, looked like in the rehab area that guys come and go from all the time. But when he's going through stretches, and then you see him over there, you're thinking, all right, doesn't seem to be a long term deal. Then you heard what Mike said after practice; it, it was almost a bit of a shock, even though we knew he wasn't 100. percent See how things go this week, but uh, I'm like you at this point. Bubble wrap them. We kind of know what we are, except at a couple positions. We kind of know where we're at, who we are. Now it's just about being ready and time releasing it for not just Duquesne for about a half, but the LSU game. You want to be as full steam as you possibly can be. That game is so critical. Yeah, we talked this morning, and when we were talking, I said, I don't really, I mean, I know we get the opportunity to be out there, and you want to see meaningful reps, you want to see competition, you want to see guys getting better, you want to see them building toughness mentally and physically, you want to see all the traditional football-related things, but I could also be just fine if I got out there and they said, listen, guys, prepare to be bored. We're we're not doing a lot of live anything uh, in terms of full-on uh football activity we're, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, install and, and walkthroughs and um, getting guys ready so be very careful about what you report uh you know that kind of stuff i'd be fine with that be like, okay good good uh you feel like they did a really good job of hitting the ground running i will tell you that i've not seen a team not that i've covered and i've covered florida state football and been at practices since 1998 
I don't really remember a team, even the vastly experienced teams, that ever on day one began install because they had 90% of the team coming over from the spring practices into the fall practices. Like 90% of the team that is going to be on the team this year and participating in football was already here in spring. So they were able to start by going full board day one, here we go, no time to sit back and ease you in. You guys should already know this stuff. Let's go. And they expected the newcomers to pick it up quick. Those guys, it was a tough year to be a newcomer in this. uh, If you didn't get here as an early enrollee, and you arrived in the fall, that's tough, man, because they were not going to wait on you. They had yep. their people. They had their personnel. Now, you could crack it, but you better get crack a lacking because they weren't waiting. There was some time that you had in the first few periods, the ones that we can report on, you know, where the offensive line, the, the holdovers, the mainstays, which is most of them, would go through the, the drills with Atkins. But then the freshmen, and I think even the early enrollees that were freshmen as well were over there working with an assistant an offensive assistant, just going through, all right, here's the crash course, guys, of what we're going to be doing today. But you would have had to listen during that period as a young offensive lineman very closely. And your assimilation skills would have to be at the pinnacle in order for you to be ready by the time that they went later on into practices. It it was something to see because even last year, it carried over from something that Coach Taggart did to Coach Norvell, which is they had a morning and an afternoon last fall camp. Like There was an acclimation day for the newcomers. Yeah. And I think they did three of those, maybe? Three or four of them? I forget how many exactly. That never happened this year. There was never a split day where it's, oh, look at that. There's a portion yeah, of the roster Yeah, let me tell you how here. this worked. Yeah, none of that. None of that? No. No. They They're were- in a very advanced place when it comes to camp. Doesn't mean about aptitude or expectations about wins and losses and productivity. They're just in a very advanced place when it comes to what level of, of install they're doing and the, the advanced measures of all the intake and, and the work and the speed of practice. It's impressive to see. We'll see if it parlays itself into more wins, though. Uh, Interesting, there was a – I was going through, and you know how we talk about trying to acclimate yourself to what's what in college football again? Pro football, too. This weekend, as I said, I watched an awful lot of pro football, but I began to read an awful lot about college football across the board. And um, different places – uh, the athletic and others listing their first team defense, their first team offense in college football, and you go through there. And obviously, we don't have guys on those teams. We we we're not there yet. Um, some of our opponents, unfortunately, do. Clemson has too many, uh, and that bothers me. Uh, but luckily, luckily, uh, that first team defensive squad, at least by voting by way of this particular outlet, did not have any LSU players on it early on. We'll see. That made me smile. I was pleased about that. None on the first team offense either. I was like, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Some guys that project nicely, but uh, nothing that uh, where you're like, oh man, starting nose tackles, top five pick is he? Right. Nothing like that. The O line should not be stunned this year by a whole lot because of what they're going through every day in practice, especially the interior. Right. I mean, they shouldn't. It doesn't mean they're going to win. It just means that if they lose, it's, it might be similar to the way they, they lose in a given day or a given segment to a Fabian Lovett or a Robert Cooper. It won't be for a lack of competition. There have been plenty of times and plenty of segment groups over the last five years that when they got out on the field on Saturdays, it was harder than in practice, a lot harder. because they Way harder. They hadn't seen anything like what they were going up against. But for more segment groups, including the offensive line, guard, center, guard, this year, you're not going to be as stunned on a Saturday. That's where you get to a point, Georgia talked about it after the championship game was over. Practice was harder than the games. 
That's what they said around here in 2013 and 14. Not there yet, but we're a lot closer. Um, somebody noted, uh, I did not see what it was. It was earlier while we were talking. We were doing the AP poll that came out today, and we went through all of the teams. Um, oh, it was uh, Redavious Hall. Uh, thanks, Redavious. 13 AP preseason ranked teams last year didn't finish the season ranked. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of typical, actually. And we that's why how many times did we say worse? We said worse quite a bit. I mean, yep. it, it's especially when you're talking 15 to 25, that's tough. I mean, those teams, you're one extra loss away from being out of that thing. Right. It, yeah, it's a time capsule thing. It's like, when are you 15 to 25? If you happen to win the bowl game and it's a coin flip, then you're 18. If you lose that bowl game, you're unranked. But I still want to be in that conversation for once. It's been a long time. It is strange to just want to be ranked, but I share that sentiment. And uh, we've been out of it for long enough to to long for it. it. It's not even, you know, those first two years, I really just was kind of like, okay, look, this was headed towards the side of the mountain. It has hit the side of the mountain. It does not change overnight. I've watched rebuilds. I've seen them from a distance. Usually there's somebody else's team that we're talking about. We always notice the signs when, they, when they're turning the corner. We always look at it from afar. You're like, oh, by the way, they're turning the corner. I talk about that a lot as college football fans, not just diehard Knoll fans, which the vast majority of people people listening to this show are, we, we notice, yes, we're hyper-focused on FSU, but we always notice within our own conference, the surrounding conferences, and really college football, the entirety of the landscape, because we love the sport. We love it. We watch as many games as we possibly can. And in doing so, you'll pick out a team once a year, minimum. Oh, look at that. It looks like so-and-so's got it moving in the right direction. You know, I mean, it's it, it's always fun when you see that, too, because you can try to yep. get on them early. Maybe you catch a game late night early in the season. You're like, you know what? They're better than they were last year by a lot. That's going to be an interesting team to bet on or whatever it might be, right? Utah, Kentucky, NC State, to name a few We've in the done last all of three, those. four years. Utah State I've done, uh, several others. I'm just hoping we're that team for some bastard living in Arizona this year or some guy that's just tuned in in California or Nevada or Michigan. Look at Florida State. You know, now the problem is we won't be able to hide because if early on the indicators are that we're much better than the preseason rankings suggest – Certainly the coaches poll, which had us 55. 55th. 55th. Man, you insulting bastards. But anyhow, that said, hopefully, I mean, the, the sad part was we won't be able to take advantage as a bettor the way that you can from afar when that team is, say, Temple. Because only the diehards are watching Temple. But Florida State would be giving you an indication early on in their second game of the year against LSU in front of the nation. You might be able to take advantage of it if it's a tough slog between NC State and Clemson. Because then you have NC State, Clemson, the bye, Georgia Tech to get right, and then that Miami game, you might have an advantage. To where because things didn't go right on the road at NC State and then Clemson came down and handled business. These are things I don't want to happen, folks. I'm just looking for places on the calendar where you could take advantage of us if we start fast. Miami might be overvalued at that point. I look forward to seeing the way Miami plays in in big games this year because uh, old Cristobal... And get these guys wound tight at especially his former institutions. When they're, especially when they're playing Utah. Right. They can just wear that ass beat is what they can do. Like, for example, um, the Texas A&M game, I'm not as worried about Miami playing tight for. It's akin to the Ohio State victory for Oregon and Mario. Yeah. Nothing to lose. Right. But when there is expectation down the stretch, be it a coastal game or, or we travel to town, does he have him puckering a little bit? Because if he does, then he can stay right on down there. I'm hoping the pucker factor is high. Miles Brennan, who started at quarterback for LSU in 2020, 
missed most of the last two years with injuries, is taking his ball and going home. I don't blame him. I mean, you've been that injury riddled. He's decided, I'm done. I'm not going to play any more football. He'd been competing with former Arizona State transfer Jaden Daniels. That's who he thought would win the job. Jaden's whatever. Sophomore Garrett Nussmeyer also competing for that job. Quote, we are grateful to Miles for everything he's done for LSU. That, according to Brian Kelly. He could have just as easily said, whole lot of nothing. But, hey, there was that year, three years before I got here, is what he could have said. (laughs) This was a case, it would appear, I don't know if it's physically, but certainly Mm -hmm. reps-wise. If you pay attention to LSU sites, and I was reading ours, uh, the On3 network, the Bengal Tiger, this morning, he's Mm -hmm. been running third. Yeah. He's been running third. And he's 32. (laughs) <laughs> um, he's got a mortgage to pay. He's got things he's got to worry about. He's got to get out into the working world time. You can't be out here trying to live a dream as the fourth string quarterback. It's time, man. You got the beer belly growing. Responsibilities growing. It's time to get out there and get a real job, Miles. That you ain't ever gonna play pro. Uh, so there was that. That's where we were there, and uh, he did take equal reps with Daniels and Nussmeyer during the spring game. So hope sprung eternal very briefly. Uh, and then, and and that was it. Uh, so, you know, we'll continue to monitor there. I'm not as worried about the starting quarterback at LSU as I am other positions and how they match up against Florida State. Sounds like they're going to run a true freshman left tackle out there. That was the talk before camp, and it's holding. So he that's... had a great spring, and they talked him up big time, and he is a highly touted individual. So. Might we be able to take advantage of that situation? Let's hope. Right. He'll be a different player in November, but we don't play them in November. No. Here you go. He's going to get spun around like a top, Tom. It's going to be embarrassing. Go. We're going to be like, look at that. Jared Verse. That poor kid got brutalized again. Four and a half TFLs, two sacks. They may ruin that kid before he ever has a chance to realize that potential. Wouldn't that be a wonderful conversation to have in the Superdome? Oh, it's going to happen. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I had to delay the return as a... Sneaky sneeze is waiting in the distance. You know how you can feel it coming on, but it's not there, and you're at that in-between spot? It's probably something you and I think about more than most of the people in the population because we know we're about to have to speak, but it's not quite here. It's just it's starting to brew like a storm in the distance, and then you're coming back on the air, and you're like, well, I can't let this song play forever. I like the Kinks as much as the next guy, but I can't keep letting that play. Yeah, it's uh, the, the sneeze warning level, too, is very you can rate it one through five. Like there are some that you can just keep talking through and nobody will be the wiser. Then there are some that are going to make your face contort in ridiculous ways because of the pain if you try to talk through and force back the sneeze. Yeah. 
I'm not a big. I I don't have a. You have like bouts of allergies that oh. tackle you and and make there are times that my you. nose is running as I'm talking and I'm <laughs> I just have to play it off. Like <laughs> it's funny because of the era that we live in the the result of the pandemic. If you're in a grocery store and you're about to sneeze, you know that terrible feeling. Like oh, I've got to find an isolated spot. I'm going to frighten. Where's the produce section? <laughs> <laughs> You're like this poor woman looking at the butter at the wrong time. <laughs> Let's see if I can find these oranges to snooze on. <laughs> oh, Never. I, I'm a crux of the arm guy. Yeah. You, well, you do the right thing. You do the right thing. I uh, So not one preseason football game for you. This is most I've ever watched. That is strange. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm watching a lot of other baseball games too. So we've got the two TV set up, and it'll be on the competition. We'll just put it that way. I'll have the second TV on the competition. And then Jamie's team is in a, a losing battle, I fear. But that AL Central race is really close. So we've usually got one of those games on. I don't do the thing that a lot of people do and certainly that the cable television shows do and that ESPN does where they isolate something that happened in a preseason game and spend eight of their programming hours from in the morning to right before Sports Center starts at 6 on that thing. Today's thing, as I passed by the television this morning, because we didn't have to be at practice, was the Cowboys committed 17 penalties in their preseason game. And given that they've committed an alarming 200-and-something over the last two years to lead the league, yes, all fingers point to Mike McCarthy, but, you know, they should have never hired him to begin with, and everybody knew it, so this is going to happen. Yes. So when it happened, though, Bristol said, all right, there two years of picking on Mike. We got eight hours. We got eight hours we could talk about here. How great is this? But instead, I do look at some of the things. Like, I don't know if you, you didn't see. You told me you didn't see. But Buffalo's got a punter that may be the greatest punter uh, in the history of punters. Yeah, I forget his name, but uh, like on social media. 83-yard punt? Yes. Yeah, net 63. It's I mean, insane. that's perfect. I mean, if you could just do that every time, you, you get the ball at the 20. <laughs> yeah, but no, nobody can do that every time. That was insane. And it looks sustainable for that, dude. You're just going to have to – when you're the returner, you're going to have to line up an extra 10 yards deep to be able to flag it down in these specific situations where he bombs it. You know what I find? This is when you know that you just you love the game. You don't even have to care about the team, but you just want to see a guy who is who's uniquely gifted. Like I find myself looking for Chargers games because I want to watch Justin Herbert throw a football. I don't know how when we watched Oregon that you and I did not see the level of arm strength. Well, it, lots of people didn't. But when we watched him, at no point did I say, well, that guy's preternaturally great. That guy's going to beat you, one of the great quarterbacks of our era coming up. Nobody said that in well, Oregon. I mean, Willie found a way to go 7-5 and five with that dude. Yeah, it, Think about it that way. Yeah, I saw the Rose Bowl game that he played in. He made a couple of throws in yeah, zone where reads you went, Ooh. that I said, I remember we talked about it on the air that time. For the first time, I realized, oh, well, that's nice. But, I mean, it's not enough for me to go with the top three pick with the guys. It just wasn't there. Well, but and then he made those comments why, where we went, well, that's weird. I'm not sure if I'm ready to be a one or whatever it is. Something yeah, along those lines. Yeah, he said something that yeah. suggested doubt is what he suggested. And we went, well, this is not what we want to hear from a starting quarterback. And I'm here to tell you that if he was the day one starter, it might not have worked out this way. We may never be talking about Justin Herbert because the mind is amazing in that way. It could get in the way of everything that you want to achieve. It was Tyrod Taylor going down because he got jabbed in the ribs, 
right? Wasn't it Tyrod? Oh, he got screwed because they inject. Yes, they, they injected him with the painkiller yeah, too deep. Rib cartilage got yeah. So they didn't tell Justin until like the anthem. They're like, all right, you're in. By the way, you're the starter. I think it might have had to work that way for him because he he would have been too scared all week, but Perhaps. he got out of his own way. Wow, and he was electric. By the way, Matt Areza, I believe, is the name of the punter yeah, for the Bills. It. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up because they that game twenty seven twenty four over the Colts. I, I did watch a lot of that game, and uh, he yeah it was an eighty two yarder, and it's uh, it's silliness silliness because you get a sense that we you're right we may end up seeing that a lot and and it was cool because they celebrated it players meaning you know the real football players like linebackers and <laughs> defensive linemen and. Offensive linemen, running backs, and receivers—they all came over to celebrate him. They were—it was, it was pretty cool to watch. Matt Ryan may end up having a, a good season. It's a good situation. It is a really good situation. Carson, well, that Jonathan he screwed Taylor, that up. You know? think about that. Jonathan Taylor is elite. So you have, and every time that Matt Ryan's been good in the NFL, like he was really good in Atlanta for that little three-year window, he had elite running game. I'm in mean, elite running game, and most quarterbacks, obviously, they have any ability, and you. Couple it with a really good running game, and you know you're going to have the opportunity to throw off a play action and be uh, get some one on one situations. He'll have Jonathan Taylor, but he's got Michael Pittman Jr. to throw the ball to, who's really really good. That's a fun team. I mean, it's the Stafford esque thing. You know, you need the guy to put you over the top. That's what the Rams did, and I think that's what the Colts. Well, it's certainly what they've been aiming to do. That's why they went and got Carson Wentz in the first place last year. Let's pivot back to uh, Florida State. We'll get to him in a moment. We'll take a quick break. We'll bring in Irish Chaffel from Warchant.com. We'll get his thoughts. Uh, that's all next. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. And away we go. He is uh, back joining us. That's a good thing. It's uh, a standard thing here on the Jeff Cameron Show every Monday, which I appreciate. And it is time to talk to our friend Irashfell, Warchant.com, my cohort. And he joins us now. Hello, good sir. How are you? I'm great, Jeff. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, brother. Doing well. So you got to see the O's. Did they, was that the game they lost? I'm not trying to be an ass. I'm saying, was that the game? I didn't know which one you went to. They actually lost two of the three oh. down in Tampa. Um, but, yeah, yesterday we went down there, and uh, I had to switch. I had to pivot. I was texting Tom around the seventh inning. I had to pivot from wanting the Orioles to win. To wanting to see to, a perfect game? To wanting to see a perfect game. And uh, that's a tough pivot to make, but I wasn't the only one. There were a bunch of Orioles fans around me who were like, I can't believe I'm rooting for this guy to throw a perfect game. And uh, my guy Mateo broke it up, and it was uh, – a bummer from that standpoint because I knew they were going to win. They weren't going to win anyway. Uh, but it was, a, you know, it was a good day. Good day down at the trop. We bet these things all the time, Tom and I do, or we've talked about these things in the past. At what point of a game is it okay in a game? Is it okay to turn your attention to the greater feat, the more historical feat, if it's happening for the team that is playing yours? Is it the sixth inning? Is it the seventh inning? When do you decide? Now's the time I'm pulling for this guy to go ahead and throw a perfect game or a no-hitter, whichever one he has going. I, I cheered for every out in the eighth. Um, in fact, in the eighth, I think with two outs, uh, one of the Orioles hitters had a check swing, and the umpire didn't ring him up. It was one and two, check swing, umpire doesn't ring him up. And I'm like, what are you doing? He went. <laughs> and then uh, luckily he uh, grounded out anyway. So we got the excitement going into the ninth. And the fun thing is Kim's not a big baseball fan, so I'm explaining to her Look what's, you know, happening. what's going on in the dugout and the fact that nobody's talking to him. And 
and just you know it's just uh that's cool man it's just cool it was cool to have everybody in the stadium know what's going on but nobody really wants to talk to it except the two women behind me who wouldn't stop talking the entire game and had no idea that that was happening so yeah, other than that mm-hmm. it was uh everybody yeah. else was in on it that could be tough it could be very difficult because you have to fight your instinct to at some point want to say something about why'd you come? Why'd you come to the game? Why are you here? Uh, so quickly, your three, two, one has infused grand enthusiasm across the board amongst Florida State faithful because you have this team going undefeated, Ira. And <laughs> I want you to talk about that. Let's tell everybody why this is a 12 and 0 squad. I'm First of all, I, you know, it's funny about that column is because there are so many elements, it's three observations, two questions, and a, and, a, and a prediction, a lot of times I don't know what the reaction is going to be. Like a lot of times w- one element of it, even if the whole thing is positive, one element could be negative and people will like latch onto that or vice versa. So with this one, I wasn't really sure because I, I thought I doubt I threw some cold water on some of the excitement about the offensive line by saying, you know, look, it is deeper and it's a better group overall. But I, I get the sense sometimes people have thought like, okay, that means – that they're going to go out there and be a really good offensive line. I'm not sure about that. I just think they're deeper and they've got more options and the drop-off won't be so big if they have injuries or if they have to rotate guys. Um, To me, that's a big positive, but it's not the same as saying, okay, you went out and you got five really good high-level offensive linemen. I'm not sure that they have that. Um, But I think where where people do have excitement and, you know, because I kind of mapped out is position by position, evaluating this team was where it was a year ago to now and I think they're improved in almost every position. The two positions I would say they're definitely not improved is defensive end. They're clearly not improved. They're probably taking a step back. And then tight end, I think, is probably a wash. But everywhere else on this team, I think they're better. And I think that portends a much better season. Now, what we don't know is how much better the teams are playing are. But, but I think that part of it, when you look at they've, how much better they've gotten in so many positions on offense and defense, I think that should make you feel better. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned that uh, you think that you know when you talked about young players, the freshman class being very impressive. Go ahead and elaborate on that. I agree with you. I I think that's something that is worth celebrating and getting excited about. Yeah, you know, I've thought that these guys are good evaluators. I thought Mike Mike Norvell in particular, just like Jimbo Fisher, had the ultimate say uh, when evaluating players. When he was the head coach, uh, he would say, "I'm the player personnel director." Mike Norvell is pretty much the same. I mean, they have a staff. Those guys will make their recommendations, but they're not offering somebody if Mike Norvell doesn't want to offer them. And I thought last year's class was the first one where they've gotten the real full opportunity to be on the road, to evaluate players in person, and have those kids come on the campus, go through the whole visit process. And I think when you look at this freshman class, we saw a bunch of them in the spring. We were impressed by what they did in the spring. And then you, you've seen the total group now that those guys have arrived in the summer, and you've added some really nice pieces. Julie, Julian Armello is one of them. Um, you know, obviously, Azari Thomas, Sam McCall, Omar Graham, uh, Kanaya Charlton on the offensive line, the young defensive lineman that, you know, Tom and I, a lot of times at practice, we'll watch the lineman. Daniel Lyons has been impressive since the spring. I like Dante Anderson at defensive end. Really, I just don't see a lot of misses. If, if I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of misses in this freshman class, but not many. And I really think that you're going to see probably about half those guys get on the field this fall. I, I and I, again, I think that portends for the future. If this staff has success this year, if they continue to, to build positive momentum, I like the way they evaluate players. I think what they, I like what they look for in players, and I think we're going to see that over time. Something you noted that you didn't reference here, but I want to 100% put a stamp of agreement with is Tafasi's a baller. The, the, yeah. He's going to be really good. And 
for those that don't know, and you wrote it in your three, two, one. But but for people who don't know, that's a kid that won't be able to play this year. Um, he reclassified, but he is a kid that if he was asked to play this year, I think could. I mean, I think he's that good. He's a big kid with skill. Oh, no question. And and you know because he is redshirting, he's taking an academic redshirt, which is something they're allowed to do now. Uh, he Ayo Tafasi is a guy who is practicing every day, and so because of that, he's practicing against the fresh, the other freshmen. So it's not like we're seeing him go up right. against, you know, Dylan Gibbons. But so we don't can't say specifically that he would carry that over to game day. But I'd like to see it because he is, uh, you know, six to three, three hundred pounds, and just built like a rock and has some nastiness to him. He not only beats the offensive lineman he's going up against more often than not, but he lets everybody in the vicinity know about it. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, you know, I really look forward to next spring and then next season getting to see him on the field because and it's just great that he's able to practice and kind of continue to develop because I think he's going to be unleashed on some people next year. I asked this question at the start of the show as a talking point. I kind of threw it out there um, and almost rhetorical, and then Tom and I just began to discuss it. So I'll ask you because I am curious to see what your reaction is. Mike Norvell basically said, look, we, we know what we're going to get in Jordan Travis. He's had a great camp. We feel good about him. And uh, he was he he did fine early on in the in the scrimmage, and so we decided to to look at the other guys. We wanted to see Tate Rodemaker and AJ Duffy and get them some run with the ones. What did you make of that? And uh, your overall thoughts on 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 that decision? Look, I, I think it probably it says two things to me, and and I haven't talked to Mike Norvell since then, certainly off the record to know. Um, but the the biggest one to me is the fact that they're two weeks away from the season and they don't feel like. Jordan Travis needs work with the wide receivers, man, I think that says a lot. I think that speaks to how good they feel about this passing game, and we've been seeing it. I, I think there have been signs of this passing game really showing up over these last practice, last uh, week or so of practices. So I think that's a good sign. The other thing is I think you just, man, you, you do want to keep him in bubble wrap. And I, I know you, you mentioned it in your last segment or a couple segments ago, I was heard you in the car, that you'd like to put the whole team in bubble wrap yeah, right now. Yeah, the whole team. I'm sure they want to keep Jordan Travis in bubble wrap. And look, it's a scrimmage. They wear non-con jerseys, but guys can get pushed into somebody. Guys can roll around and, and land on somebody's ankle. Things can happen, even a non-contact portion of practice. And uh, so that's what I would read into it. But but again, just the idea that you're willing to do that, they must feel really good, I feel like, uh, about what they what they can do in the passing game. Brother, I always appreciate it. It's good to talk to you again. Be well. I'm glad you're back, and I'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Be good, brother. That's uh, Irish Chaffel, WarChant.com. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think um, – you know, let, let me address something here. Uh, you know, you, you, Ira's bullish on this team probably more so than anybody on the staff. Uh, and I don't think he should uh, go out of his way to say something negative if he doesn't, doesn't feel it, if he doesn't think it's there. Now, when you, when you do that, in this game, we all do this, make predictions or talk about what we think a player might be or the way a season's going to go or what a coach is. Sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, and we don't know. We, we, we don't know what that will uh, what that will produce this year, uh, but in Ira's mind, they are a lot better. I think they're better. I don't go as far as he does in the category of a lot better. I think they're better, though, I, and I think it would be silly to, to come in here and just find negative things to talk about for the sake of it. I don't think they're great on the offensive line. He just said that. He thinks they're deeper. Yeah. I think they're deeper and better because of the depth. Right. The quality of the depth, uh, not just that they finally actually have depth, which they haven't had. So it's not just that they're deeper. 
They haven't had any depth. Now they have actual depth. And the quality of that depth is that when if a guy has to come out, the guy replacing him is not appreciably worse. He may not be as good, but it's not like overwhelmingly scary to think about that backup having to come in. I'm telling you, last year we sat around, and in particular my man Ira with the binoculars and pregame warm-ups, and looked to see if Dylan Gibbons was going to start. Or and you go through and name your guy, right? We would look to see who was going to have to play because if any of them were not amongst the starting five, it was going to be a very difficult task to win a football game. Like you just, it wasn't just that. Oh well, we're at a disadvantage here. It was, I don't think they can win if he doesn't play, or if they have to start so and so, they're in big trouble. Brady Scott, you know, you know, I mean, let's just be honest about that. I mean, there were guys that if you had to play them, you thought. Well, I right, and even if you're playing him, you're saying he's playing where? Yeah, yeah. It you was know, it this was guy scary. has to be the right tackle. So oh, that's God. that's all. I mean, that's all I'm saying is that that's what has changed. Is that if any of those guys have to miss, their backups are not dreadful. They're not guys that you're going to be holding your breath. As far as, and I think, and, and I think as far as the receiving core goes, I don't think they're good at receiver. I think they're better. So why would I say right. – so, I mean, like, if they're better, they're better. I'm not telling you that they're in the upper echelon of the ACC. I don't think he is either. They're not. No. They're not. No, everybody is talking about the improvement of this team in, to land somewhere between seven and nine wins, depending upon how optimistic or pessimistic they are. But eight seems to be about the middle. Nine if everything goes right for some people on the staff. Eight is if everything goes right for others on the staff that we have here at Warchant. And then some hover at seven. I mean, like – it's still improvement with a schedule that features more veteran quarterbacks, Sam Hartman being the exclusion. We'll see if he's available by the time Wake and Florida State play in October or late September. But the point remains that this group looks better across the board when you go position by position. I think that's what Ira did very well in the 3-2-1 is he goes segment by segment to show you individually if this group is better than the year before. And the only one that has a significant drop-off is defensive end, rush end. I know they've got different names for it over there in the coaching staff, but I think he said a moderate decline or moderate decline in production. And I agree with that. It should be. But other than that, if you look across the board, most every position is either as good or better than it was last year. That's where you get excitement. But it's all in the construct of saying we're shooting for eight here. It's not better to yeah, the tune of winning it's the Atlantic. Still under that umbrella. I think where we would likely be in the most amount of disagreement. And I don't think I, maybe that's you and me. Maybe that's me and Ira. Maybe that's like as a staff. I think where we would be, where we would probably have the most amount of disagreement is is Jordan Travis. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's done anything this camp that has me elated. I don't. I don't see it. I think he looks like a guy who's probably an improved passer. That's good because he wasn't good as a passer. So that'll be better. But the strength of his game is still going to be his legs. Which is more than enough at this level. But I'm I mean, saying that's if, my point. My yeah. point is that there's not, like, I think when people say, if people hear any of us say we think Jordan Travis is better, they're assuming that that means he's a better passer. Eh, I don't know that he's a better passer. Yeah, but, maybe, when, but maybe. when they hear that he's not a good passer, they, they hear you saying that he, like, he sucks or something. He doesn't no, suck. No. He's a good player. He's a very good college player, especially what we need right now. This is a guy that could take an offense that couldn't block, didn't have receivers, yeah. and help them produce in the upper 20s to lower 30s. The question with him is durability. Yeah, durability, 
also consistency in terms of accuracy from from you know he he. But that's never going to be his game. You're never going to go into a week as Mike Norvell and game plan and say we're going to throw the ball 30 times because the consistency of the way he throws the football is going to be our leading charge. It's going to be his legs scare the crap out of the opponent, and I think he's more than good enough now to make throws that he has to make because the offensive line's better and we're competent at receiver where we were incompetent before. Let me yes, let me ask you this cuz this is where and I don't and this is interesting because I have said even when I criticize Jordan Travis the passer. I have said that there are certain throws he makes exceptionally well. Like I'm not blind to the fact that anything outside the hashes down the field he throws very well. I mean, in a breadbasket. He I mean he can make that throw consistently well. I point out that he consistently fails to either see receivers down the seam or hit them accurately. That is my criticism. I would argue that's not going to be appreciably better. And what priority or what level of priority because of the offense should can, that be? Well, like three because, or four or five? Because you're going to game plan around a guy's strengths. Like So, for correct. example, you know, you could say we should toss out zone read for Tate Rodemaker. Well, you're not going to run a lot of zone read like where, where you're actually going to use Tate to run the football. Right. Although he's not... He, he's not I, devoid of, of talent say, to run, can, but he can run. But what I'm saying is, if you look at capability of Tate in the zone read game and Compared in the open to, field, right. and, and you say that's analogous to me to Jordan Travis throwing over the middle of the field, the, it the, can be done, but it's not something that you're going to game plan to do. Yeah, the problem is that if you can't make certain throws and defenses game plan to take the one thing you can do away, and you can't expose them with what they're willing to give up, that's where I get frustrated with him is that there are things that they will give him that he couldn't hit last year. All I wanted was for him to recognize those things and take advantage of those coverages. Right. Because he could then become that much better. And maybe he will. Well, I uh, haven't seen it. But if he did, then they could win 10 or 11 games. Correct. You know, that's the thing. Well, I'd like to win more games. I mean, that sure, would be great. We're all operating under eight's the goal. If eight's the goal, I mean... You're going to far exceed that if he looks like he did in Wednesday's practice, which is completing the ball to all fields with consistency. But you're talking about a guy that you're that you're looking to get you to eight, nine of everything falls right. Well, he's got more than enough of a skill set to do that as yeah, long yeah, as he's yeah. healthy. No, no, no. He well, right. He yes. We're not in disagreement that you can win football games with Jordan Travis. What I'm arguing is that, and this is why it would be the most contentious of the debates that we would have as a staff, is that. I don't know that there was anything this camp, and I, admittedly, the day that he was so good that was universally praised by everybody covering this team, was I missed that day. I did not see that day. But I do believe everybody. I do believe, because I have seen him have days like that. He has done that before. And I don't expect that to be who he is in ga on game day. He had a great day. That's cool. If it portends of more consistency, that'd be great, too. But... When, when I hear that, okay, we already know what Jordan Travis is, he doesn't need to take reps in this scrimmage or more reps uh, in this scrimmage, that doesn't tell me that they think he's improved to the point where they can just shelve him. I don't see it that way. I think it yeah. means they know what he is, and so... Right, which is a better player. Though. We would disagree on that. I think he's a better player. But I also think you could argue that he's no different but they're better at blocking, and they've got receivers who can win one-on-ones, which okay. means that last year was unfair, and then saying he's better this year might be unfair as well. Maybe think, he was always something in between. Yeah, I think that's right. Listen, he is a good college football player. That, that's, right. He is not a pro quarterback. Where nobody's excusing expecting that. When when I hear the talking points on, on that part of that, he can't make the throws that you know third and seven over the middle of the field or whatever. I I don't think he's going to be playing on Sundays either. No, no, he's. But not I think he can be playing on Saturdays well enough that we could get into the mid thirties with consistency if, if everybody. That, holds 
Klein is better. Yeah, and it, yeah. And then the only other thing that I think we would t- talk about is that while I agree that the offensive, uh, excuse me, that the wide receiving core is better, because how could they be worse? It's a low bar. Is all I'm saying. It's it a is. pretty damn low bar. Now Johnny Wilson has been um, for me because I had very low expectations. I've said it time and again. I would be foolish to deny that. He has been much better in camp than I would have thought him to be. But he's not scaring anybody. Nobody's going into the game saying we have to game plan for Johnny Wilson. He's not that. No, but if he is as consistent in games, which is a different beast, I'll grant you that. Much But if he's as consistent in games as he's been the last week or so, showing that growth, he may not be a guy that you game plan against, but when you line up, you can't cheat either towards the line of scrimmage with a guy like Johnny Wilson on the field. You can't. He's too large. So that opens up other things for the offense. It's not to say that you have to keep two sets of eyes and, and two bodies on him at all times, but you can't just say, we're going to throw somebody out on an island. He's starting to get to a place where I don't think you can do that. Well, especially especially when we're, ta- we're talking about beating the wakes of the world. Yeah, We're not trying to beat Clemson with that type of game plan, but they, they, they yeah, could probably handle they, it. LSU they, they probably would, could. They probably can. And I'm betting that Miami can and that Florida can. And that, there are maybe too many, on Miami. Well, maybe, but I'm saying there are too many kids, too many teams that have guys that could line up one-on-one with Johnny Wilson, and they're not going to be scared to do it. They're gonna do. They're gonna do it because they'd rather take their chances with that matchup than allowing Jordan to do what he does uh, out on the edges. But if you it. get that matchup now, well, you, yeah, you've got a chance advantage. to prove it. And I want. That's what we're. I don't. All waiting f- on. I don't that's feel what like we're all waiting on. I don't feel like you're weaponless now. But from what I've seen, I don't I, feel like you're helpless. So you're like, oh well, they found it out. They figured need, it out. I need, and I don't know how quickly he can do it. How quickly can Span make an impact? How quickly can he show teams that they have to reckon with that speed? Because that changes everything about how they line up. And 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 I don't know how quick I don't know the answer to that. He's been better this camp. Do I think he's ready to be a star in college football? No, 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 no. Well, but he's just further along than we thought he'd be. This is why I had Jakai Douglas higher in my top forty preseason because of what he can do as a gadget player. It doesn't matter that you can't line up for 60 plays and be consistent. Right. If yeah, you can give me 10, yeah. well, because we already know that Mike can scheme up a running back or a slot-type guy against the linebacker once or twice a game. They yeah. know it's coming, and they still he still does it. He yeah. gets the matchup and the rail routes or whatever. Well, if you add Deuce Span to that equation as a true receiver, you're going to get a lot of matchups that you love. And He's if just got to catch it. If you can hit a couple He's of them. He's got to catch it. Right. I mean, that's... Like, it's critical that the first one or two in this season catch he catches it. because then other teams have to say, oh, put it, no. Put it on film. Put it on film. I'm, it's funny. I, my expectations are so low, and I don't mean that as a negative shot at the personnel. He's so far... He's had to come such a long way in a short period of time. It's an unfair thing, right? Like, this guy went and transitioned from quarterback to wide receiver, he's got five catches in a college football game in his life, five. And now I need him <laughs> to be a huge difference maker in this year's ACC. And I don't know that it's reasonable to expect that, but if he catches the first couple in one-on-one coverage down the field, that's on film, and everybody's going to have to respect that well, and opens up a lot of stuff. And who knows what it does for his confidence. Probables, fire away. Here we go. Hit it. i got about a minute and a half. We're going to rapid fire this baby. It's time for... How you say with the pitching uh, probables? Woo! Fun. Almost there. Tigers, Guardians, nothing, nothing. They're warming up. They're getting started. Drew Hutchison, Aaron Savale, Tigers, Guardians, game two. Brian Garcia, 
Xavion Curry, Phillies, Reds, Noah Syndergaard, Mike Miner, Padres, Marlins, Joe Musgrove, Sandy Alcantara, Cubs, Nationals, Marcus Stroman, Josiah Gray. Come on down that, that tree, Josiah. Rays, Yankees, Jalen Beeks, Garrett Cole. We got Orioles, Blue Jays, Kyle Bradish. You sick Kikuchi. Mets, Braves, here we go. Let's get it on. Carlos Carrasco, Spencer Strider, I know what you're doing tonight. Royals, Twins, Chris Bubik, Joe Ryan, A's, Rangers, James Caprielli, Glenn Otto. Hey, I'm Glenn Otto. Welcome to Glenn Otto. I'm going to skip ahead. D-backs, Giants, Madison Bumgarner, Alex Cobb. There's other games. I didn't that's get like to That's like the 2017 Cy Young battle right there. And that's a look at those that shall reside on the bump. That's 20 seconds, Jeff. You can say goodbye. All right. Be good, everybody. Be well. Be good to each other. Appreciate what you got, right? Talk to you guys tomorrow. Seminole Headlines back in the studio. Looking forward to it. Good job, Tom. Good job, Matthew. Be well. Peace. We'll